Chapter Four of the Precipice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Precipice by Elia Wilkinson Peaty. Chapter Four. Honora Fulham, sitting in her upper room and jealously guarding the slumbers of Patience and Patricia, her tiny but already remarkable twin daughters, heard a familiar voice in the lower hallway she dropped her book the psychological significance of the family group and ran to the chamber door a second later she was hanging over the banisters kate she called with a penetrating whisper you yes honora it's bad kate she's come to you a penny nobody else wanted honora fulham sailed down the stairs with the generous bearing of a ship answering a signal of distress the women fell into each other's arms and in that moment of communion dismissed all those little alien half-feelings which grow up between friends when their enlarging experience has driven them along different roads honora led the way to her austere drawing-room from which with a rigorous desire to economize labor she had excluded all that was superfluous and there in the bare orderly room the two women their girlhood definitely behind them faced each other kate noted a curious retraction in honora an indescribable retrenchment of her old-time self as if her fluorescence had been clipped by trained hands so that the bloom should not be too exuberant and honora swiftly appraised kate's suggestion of freedom and force kate she announced you look like a kind eagle a wounded one then honora you've a story for me i see sit down and tell it so kate told it compelling the history of her humiliating failure to stand out before the calm adjudging mind of her friend but oughtn't we to forgive everything to the old said honora at the conclusion of the recital oh is father old responded kate in anguish he doesn't seem old only formidable if i'd thought i'd been wrong i never would have come up here to ask you to sustain me in my obstinacy truly honora it isn't a question of age he's hardly beyond his prime and he has been using all of his will which has grown strong with having his own way to break me down the way most of the men in silvertree have broken their women down i was getting to be just like the others and to start when i heard him coming in at the door and to hide things from him so that he wouldn't rage i'd have been lying next kate oh you think it isn't decent for me to speak that way of my father you can't think how it seems to me how how irreligious but let me save my soul honora let me do that the girl's pallid face sharpened and intensified bore the imprint of genuine misery honora fulham strong of nerve and quick of understanding embraced her with a full sisterly glance i always liked and trusted you kate she said i was sorry when our ways parted and i'd be happy to have them joined again i see it's to be a hazard of new fortune for you and david and i will stand by i don't know of course precisely what that may mean but we're yours to command a key turned in the front door that's david now said his wife her voice vibrating and she summoned him david fulham entered with something almost like violence although the violence did not lie in his gesture 
it was rather in the manner in which his personality assailed those within the room dark with an attractive ugliness arrogant with restive and fathomless eyes he seemed to unite the east and west in his being had his mother been a jewess of pride and intellect and his father an adventurous american of the superhuman type kate looking at him with fresh interest found her thoughts leaping to the surmise she knew that he was in a way a great man a man with a growing greatness he had promulgated ideas so daring that his brother's scientists were embarrassed to know where to place him there were those who thought of him as a brilliant charlatan and the convincing intelligence and self-control of his glance repudiated that idea the faust-like aspect of the man might lay him open to the suspicion of having too experimental and inquisitive a mind but he had it would seem no need for charlatanism he came forward swiftly and grasped kate's hand i remember you quite well he said in his deep vibratory tones are you here for graduate work no said kate i'm not so humble not so humble he showed his magnificent teeth in a flashing but somewhat satiric smile i'm here for life not for study not in for life but out for it he supplemented that's interesting what is honora suggesting to you she's sure to have a theory of what will be best honora knows what will be best for almost everybody but she sometimes has trouble in making others see it the same way honora seemed not to mind his chafing yes she agreed i've already thought but i haven't had time to tell kate do you remember that mrs goodrich said last night at dinner that her friend miss adams was looking about for someone to take the place of a young woman who was married the other day she was an officer in the children's protective league you remember oh that broke in fulham he turned toward kate and looked her over from head to foot till the girl felt a hot wave of indignation sweep over her but his glance was impersonal apparently he paid no attention to her embarrassment he seemed merely to be getting at her qualities by the swiftest method well he said finally i dare say you're right but he hesitated well prompted his wife but won't it be rather a, a waste he asked and again he smiled this time with some hidden meaning of course it won't be a waste declared honora aren't women to serve their city as well as men it's a practical form of patriotism according to my mind kate broke into a nervous laugh i hope i'm to be of some use she said work can't come a moment too soon for me i was beginning to think she paused well supplied fulham still with that watchful regard of her oh that i had made a mistake about myself that I wasn't going to be anything in particular after all. They were interrupted. A man sprang up the outside steps and rang the doorbell imperatively. It's Carl Wonder, announced Fulham, who had glanced through the window. It's your cousin, Honora. He went to the door, and Kate heard an emphatic and hearty voice making hurried greetings. Stop between trains, it was saying. Can stay ten minutes precisely, not a second longer. Came to see the babies honora had arisen with a little cry and gone to the door now she returned hanging on to the arm of a weather-tanned man miss barrington she said my cousin mr wander oh carl you're not serious 
You don't really mean that you can't stay, not even overnight. The man turned his warm brown eyes on Kate, and she looked at him expectantly, because he was Honora's cousin. For the time it takes to draw a breath, they gazed at each other. Oddly enough, Kate thought of Ray McCrae, who was across the water, and whose absence she had not regretted. She could not tell why her thoughts turned to him. This man was totally unlike Ray. He was indeed unlike anyone she ever had known. There was that about him which held her. It was not quite assertion, perhaps it was competence, but it was competence that seemed to go without tyranny, and that was something new in her experience of men. He looked at her on a level, spiritually, querying as to who she might be. The magic moment passed. Honora and David were talking. They ran away up the stairs with their guest, inviting Kate to follow. I'll only be in the way now, she said. By and by I'll have the babies all to myself. Yet after she had said this, she followed, and looked into the nursery, which was at the rear of the house. Honora had thrust the two children into her cousin's big arms, and she and David stood laughing at him. Another man might have appeared ridiculous in this position, but it did not apparently occur to Carl Wander to be self-conscious. He was wrapped in contemplation of the babies, and when he peered over their heads at Kate, he was quite grave and at ease. Then, before it could be realized, he was off again. He had kissed Honora and congratulated her, and he and Kate had again clasped hands. Sorry, he said in an explosive way, that we part so soon. He held her hand a second longer, gave it a sudden pressure, and was gone. Honora shut the door behind him reluctantly. So like Carl, she laughed. It's the second time he's been in my house since I was married. You'd think we had the plague, the way he runs from us, said David. Oh, responded Honora, not at all disturbed. Carl is forever on important business. He's probably been to New York to some director's meeting. Now he's on his way to Denver, he says, men waiting. That's Carl's way. To think of his dashing up here between trains to see my babies. The tears came to her eyes. Don't you think he's fine, Kate? The truth was there seemed to be a sort of vacuum in the air since he had left, as if he had taken the vitality of it with him. But where does he live? She asked Honora. Address him beyond the second divide, and he'll be reached. Everybody knows him there. His post office bears his own name, Wander. He's a miner. How did you know? Oh, by process of elimination, what else could he be? Nothing else in the world, said David Fulham. I tell Honora he's a bit mad. No, no, Honora laughed. He's not mad. He's merely Western. How startled you look, Kate, as if you had seen an apparition. It was decided that Kate would stay there at the Fulhams and to use one of their several unoccupied rooms. Kate chose one that looked over the midway, and her young strength made nothing of the two flights of stairs which she had to climb to get to it. At first the severity of the apartment repelled her, but she had no money with which to make it more to her taste, and after a few hours its very barrenness made an appeal to her. It seemed to be like her own life, in need of decoration, and she was content to let things take their course. It seemed probable that roses would bloom in their time. 
no one it transpired ate in the house i found it explained honora that i couldn't be elaborately domestic and have a career too so i went with some others of similar convictions and circumstances into a cooperative dining-room scheme kate gave an involuntary shrug of her shoulders you think that sounds desolate wait till you see us all together this talk about home is all very well but i happen to know and i fancy you do too that home can be a particularly stultifying place when people work as hard as we do a little contact with outsiders is stimulating but you'll see for yourself mrs dennison a very fine woman a widow looks after things for us dr von schwerbrand one of our number got to calling the place the caravansary and now we've all fallen into the way of it the caravansary was but a few doors from the fulhams an old-fashioned hospitable affair with high ceilings white marble mantels and narrow windows mrs dennison the house mother suited the place well her widow's cap and bands seemed to go with the grave pretentiousness of the rooms to which she had succeeded in giving almost a personal atmosphere there was room for her goldfish and her half-dozen canary cages as well as for her cooperators no one there would permit himself to be called a boarder kate sensitive from her isolation and sore from her sorrows had imagined that she would resent the familiarities of those she would be forced to meet on table terms but what was the use in trying to resent marna carton the young irish girl who meant to make a great singer of herself and who evidently looked upon the world as a place of rare and radiant entertainment as for mrs barcelow marna's patron and benefactor with her world-weary eyes and benevolent smile who could turn a cold shoulder to her solicitudes then there were wickersham and von schreerbrand members like fulham of the faculty of the university the applegates and the goodriches were pleasant folk rather settled in their aspect and all of literary leanings the applegates were identified both husband and wife with a magazine of literary criticism mr goodrich ran a denominational paper with an academic flavor mrs goodrich was president of an orphan asylum and spent her days in good works then intermittently the company was joined by george fitzgerald a preoccupied young physician the nephew of mrs dennison they all greeted kate with potential friendship in their faces and she could not keep back her feeling of involuntary surprise at the absence of anything like suspicion down in silvertree if a new woman had come into a boarding-house they would have wondered why here they seemed tacitly to say why not mrs dennison seated kate between dr van schreerbrand and marna carton opposite to her sat mrs goodrich with her quiet smile every one had something pleasant to say when kate spoke all were inclined to listen the atmosphere was quiet urbane gracious even david fulham's exotic personality seemed to soften under the regard of mrs dennison's gray eyes really kate concluded i believe i can be happy here all i need is a chance to earn my bread and butter and what with the intervention of the goodriches and the recommendation of the fulhams that opportunity soon came. End of chapter 4